okay, maybe it wasn't the statin. The Silicon Valley Bank's woke problem, kids create a racist deepfake and parents go insane. A 13-year-old girl was abducted. Guess how she was targeted? All that and more on today's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 226 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. You can spell that R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com, online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and it wasn't the statin. Well, at least not entirely, which is why you will notice that I didn't claim victory. I was very clear. Not going to claim victory because even though sometimes the evidence appears to point one way. Things can veer in a different direction, especially when it comes to medicine, when it comes to science, when it comes to a whole lot of different things, which is why no matter what kind of story that we cover, the we, of course, being this behemoth staff that I have going here on the Random Thoughts podcast, I make sure to understand what's going on, try to look at it from a different point of view and say, hey, what if? this happens what if this happens and i don't like to jump to any conclusions with that said just a brief update and i appreciate everybody who stuck with the last episode because it was a little bit centered around what i've been going through health wise and the end result is still having some palpitations but they don't appear as bad, even though the cardiologist says the statin couldn't be any part of that. I believe that it probably is, but it is one of those things, being that I'm on an antiarrhythmatic drug as well. Of course, the cardiologist is like, well, the statin shouldn't do that. Maybe it was just because you're on this drug. And it's something that will be monitored going forward. But things are pretty good today. It's just weird. But the doctor again said, you know, you're tall. You're going to have these problems. You're at least more susceptible to them. You are uh, somebody that has high blood pressure, also not good. And I do have to lose a few pounds. And he was not shy about pointing that out. So it's things that I am working on one step at a time. And I'm impressed with folks like my buddy, Sir Chris from the No Agenda Sphere not Wilson, that has AFib, and we've talked back and forth about the various treatments, about the various drugs, about the various things that can happen to you. And that guy is down 50 pounds and feeling good. So like a lot of things in life, just overall, getting healthier can change a whole lot of things in your life. Now, there's a lot of stories going on. A little bit of financial turmoil. Not that that's any surprise. Joey doesn't realize it's his fault yet. He thinks he's still doing great. But Joey's brain dead. The collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, though. You ask yourself, how does these things happen? And I think one of the best explanations of what went on with the Silicon Valley Bank comes from the website and the coverage over at just the news 
com. This story written was in a John Solomon story. Now, this was written by Nick Givas, G-I-V-A-S. And it talks about the policies of the Silicon Valley Bank, how it was a darling of the left. It says in the article here, quote, it allied in cash and manpower with a liberal nonprofit run by California Governor Gavin Newsom's wife and fully embraced the environmental, social and governance ESG platform now being banned in some red states while celebrating its executives involvement in the LGBTQ plus movement, end quote. Now, being involved in those kind of things, not bad on the face of things. It all depends on how much money you're putting in to risky investments when you're dealing with money put in by, I don't know if a majority of the people that trusted Silicon Valley Bank, and of course, Joey Biden and the left has decided to back this bank. And I get it. When you have the FDIC backing on the bank, I don't know what it takes to get that particular safety net from the United States government. But when you look at the policies of the Silicon Valley Bank, it doesn't really take a genius to figure out exactly why it failed. As the Just the News article points out, quote, as SVB's investment failures mounted, the bank doubled down on its ideological commitments by pledging $5 billion in new green tech outlays despite signs of rising interest rates negatively impacting that sector. Some institutional investors also began to raise concerns about the overall balance sheet. The stark contrast between the liberal investment icon and what was in reality an underperforming bank was on full display last July. SVB was boasting about its diversity, equity, and inclusion progress in a Pride Month forum as J.P. Morgan official Steve Alexopoulos pressed for answers on an investor call about why its investments had lost 8% of value in a single quarter, according to the transcript of the meeting, end quote. So what we had here was a bunch of liberal nut jobs investing in things that were always going to fail because that's what liberal nut jobs do. This is what happens when you try running a business. And believe it or not, a bank is a business. This is what happens when you try running a business based upon diversity, inclusion, woke policies, rather than what's actually going to make money. What is best for the people that have put their money into your hands in order for you to hopefully make them more money, not totally crash and burn everything you're doing because. You want to continue to invest in things that are never going to make money because that's about your woke ideology. It's about what your view of the world is. It has nothing to do with the reality of the financial situation. And when you're a bank, maybe, maybe you should care about that first and foremost. So the FDIC had to come in and take control of this particular bank, Joel Griffith, who is a fellow 
a financial fellow. I mean, that's a fancy fellow. A financial fellow at the Heritage Foundation says, quote, we knew it was financially mismanaged, but oh my gosh, this is probably the most woke bank in the existence of mankind, or it was the most woke bank. He said, we should recognize the primary cause of this bank going belly up was just gross financial mismanagement. They took depositors' money and they put that in long-term debt investments at record low interest rates. And as any financial risk manager knows, if you have interest rates that increase, the value of those debt assets are actually going to decline, end quote. So again, the bottom line is they had no idea what to do running a bank. They had no idea how to make money. They put the money that their investors and depositors gave them into really bad things that were never going to make money and then instead lost money. And that's your quick highway to going out of business as a bank. But this is what happens when you are clouded with wokeness, when you are clouded with, oh, no, but this is what I want to do to save the planet. No, this is what we have to do to be diverse. Oh, no, we don't have enough equity. We have to do this. And the bottom line is then you go out of business because those things are not financially sound ways for a bank to make money, for a bank to stay afloat. It's nice if you have a little bit of extra cash to put into neighborhood projects and projects that you want to give a little bit of help to, but that should come from your profits not taking the money that your depositors and investors are giving you and putting them into something that is going to lose money. But this is why these folks do not like the capitalist system because one, they don't understand it. Two, they don't know how to utilize it. And oh, it's just not fair that some people lose money and other people make money. Oh, cry me a river. They don't understand the reality of the world around them. And this is why this should be a wake-up call for anybody. You probably do not want to invest a lot of your cash or any of your cash into a woke bank. I think you're better putting it off into Bitcoin or any random cryptocurrency that's probably going to be worth nothing in 10 years. Probably still better than putting it into a woke bank. Former Treasury Department official Monica Crowley and now podcaster spoke about the recent string of bank collapses and said, quote, within a couple of days, we have seen three major banks fail. The lightning speed of this thing and how fast the financial sector can go into crisis and then how fast that can then spill over into the broader economy. That lesson should be lost on no one. And I think she's absolutely right there. She believes that going woke and trying to pander to the progressive ideology is a wake-up call for everybody. And I think that's 100% correct. She says, quote, it is 100% true that we are seeing industries, companies across the board that change their focus to a social justice platform more than their actual core business. And there are deleterious effects on that core business. They are trying to cover their tracks for their own wrongdoing, their own unethical behavior, 
and it's veering off into DEI and ESG that has crippled their ability to actually serve their customers and protect their core mission. I think that is absolutely 100% correct. The article goes on to say that the Silicon Valley Bank was focusing on very woke companies, including those who had the main goal of decarbonizing the U.S. energy sector. Now, I mean, it's a nice concept, like a lot of these leftist policies. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? Now, we go back to the Heritage Foundation, who estimates that if the United States got off of the carbon energy, it would cost the average family about $8,000 a year more in energy. $8,000 more for the average family to have a completely decarbonized energy sector. But these are the kind of things that the bank was putting all of their money in. Now, do you think this is better for the country or is it better for the wacko loons who are like, oh no, the worth of the temperature? It's the Al Gore concept here. And the bottom line is, while it's good to do what you can to protect the planet that you live on, doing so at the detriment of the people, probably not a good thing. Meaning that, yeah, everybody wants clean air and clean water, but this concept that we have to rush the energy sector into things that just have been not proven to work like windmills and solar. And oh, we have to get off all those bad fossil fuels knowing the average family, I would say knowing that it would cost them an extra $8,000 a year. How many are standing up and being like, yeah, I want the green solution. That's going to cost me 8,000 more a year. Most families, I would say almost all middle class and probably all of the lower class can't afford $8,000 more a year in energy. And what happens if you don't have the ability to pay for your energy? Well, then you're going to freeze in the winter or you're going to overheat in the summer because you're not going to be able to run your air conditioning or your heat because those things take, oh my goodness, they take energy. Now, the government They're not going to make it illegal for you to run your air conditioner. No, they're just going to make it so you can't afford it. So they'll be like, oh, it's not our fault. No, we didn't make it illegal to run that air conditioner. No, we did not. Oh, yeah, sure. Now it costs you $10,000 a year to keep your house air conditioned. But no, we didn't make it illegal. It's a nefarious thing when these kind of things happen. And I don't see a lot of coverage of why. The Silicon Valley Bank failed. I mean, there's people that are actually trying to blame Donald Trump for it, but that is no surprise because that is what the left does no matter what. Oh, yeah. A crazy bunch of leftists start a bank and then fail. And of course, it's Donald Trump's fault. Sure, it is. That makes the perfect amount of sense. There was an opinion piece on Fox News that was written by Howard Kurtz that actually gets it right and echoed a lot of things that I've been saying over the last couple of years, which was the media are now trying to morph Ron DeSantis into a scarier version of Donald Trump. 
exactly what I've been saying. It doesn't matter who the Republicans run. Whoever that person is, is going to be Satan. Watch. They're going to be worse than Trump. They're going to be horrible. They're going to be evil. Oh, my goodness. Donald Trump was just the beginning is what you're going to get if Donald Trump is not the Republican nominee, which just goes to prove that this has never been about Donald Trump. All of the Russian collusion, all of the indictment, oh, the indictments are coming, all of the impeachments, all of these things have never been about Donald Trump. It's all been about the conservative side of the aisle and just how far these lefty loons are willing to go to try to get their way. And you see why? Because they believe in this insanity that no rational person would. Investing their money in things that they know are going to fail. Oh, because it's going to be good for the planet. Oh, or it's good for diversity. It's good for equity. Yeah, our company's going to go under, but my goodness, are we diverse? You know what's the best for your employees and your investors is to succeed as a company? You know what's good for your employees, no matter who they are, would be to stay in business, not to go out of business. But that does not seem to make sense to the lefties. That does not seem to make sense. They cannot seem to understand it. They want to literally bow or kneel in front of a whole new woke God. Oh, wow, you're transgender. Isn't that great? Instead of just standing up and saying, everybody's equal, let's all try to succeed together. The United States is about giving people the opportunity to be successful, not to guarantee success. They are very different things. And the guaranteeing success does a very simple thing, and that is it takes away the incentive to be better. It takes away the incentive to work harder. If everybody gets a handout, that is the worst possible thing for people. And that is where the leftists just have a major disconnect and don't seem to understand it. It's human nature. If you have an incentive to work harder, you will do so. If you don't have an incentive to work harder, then yeah, why would I want to? Why would I want to put the effort in? I'm just going to kick back and relax and let somebody else worry about everything because I'm not being incentivized to do that. When I worked in the retail environment that was paid on a basis of commission, I always thought it was a horrible system that the company I was working for based your pay period, which was two weeks. So, you know, you had two pay periods a month, but they based the pay period on whether or not you were going to get the hourly rate or the commission. If you basically, if you didn't make enough commission, you got the hourly rate. Now, if you got a week into your two week pay period and you realized that you were already way, 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 way in the hole and there was very little chance that you were going to make commission for that pay period. You had a week where you're like, I'm just not even going to talk to anybody. Why would I? I don't need to sell anything. It's not going to make me any extra money. Rather than being like, well, okay, everybody gets this base pay and then you get a commission on what you sell no matter what. No, their concept was, you know, say the base pay at the time. And I don't even remember. It was, it was really sad, although now it's crazy high. But let's just say 
your base pay at this point is $15 an hour. Well, you didn't get paid $15 an hour plus commission on everything you sold. No, they were ignoring your base pay and putting you on a hundred percent commission. And if you made $15 and one cent per hour based on all of your commission, that's what you got. If you made $14 an hour in commission, well, you had to get the 15. You were guaranteed that. If you got $10 an hour, you got the 15. If you got $5 an hour, 15, you didn't sell anything, 15. And what that did was very quickly on the slower times, decentivize you wanting to work at all. And that just does not make any sense to me. It never has. It never will. But you watch. Whoever the GOP ends up putting out there, they are going to be painted as being worse than Donald Trump. There was another deep fake story in the news. This is not a surprise. This covered by the Washington Post, which the news coverage itself, just as entertaining, I think, as the story, this article written by Maria Luisa Powell. And this is the story of some students that made a couple of deep fake videos and posted them online, making it seem like school officials, I think it was a principal, say some really racist and horrible things. I told you this was coming, and this is the kind of fallout you're going to start getting from this. Again, from the Washington Post, quote, the first letter from Carmel Central School District officials arrived on February 13th, alerting parents that three high schoolers had used artificial intelligence to impersonate the staff and made them appear to make inappropriate comments in videos. There was no threat to school safety, the letter added. Abigail Santana didn't think anything about the last part after reading the letter from her child's school district in Putnam County, New York. She assumed it was handled and the situation was over, but then her 10-year-old told her they'd seen the videos on TikTok. And apart from the deep fake of her middle school principal making a profanity-laced racist rant, other videos created by the high schoolers included threats to blow up black and Latino students, Santana said. I just keep thinking to myself, what if something had happened, said Santana, who is Afro-Latina? What if my child would have gotten hurt or killed because I sent them to school without knowing these videos existed? End quote. Okay, well, first thing, they were videos made by high schoolers. It was investigated. There was no actual threat. So what if your child would have gotten hurt or killed because you sent them to school because you didn't know the videos existed? You're an idiot. Your child's in danger every time they go out of the house. That's the world we live in today. Any videos, deep fake or not, don't really hold any power over anybody. I mean, this again is a reason why kids should not have access to devices or to social media, but it seems that these were high school students are getting a little bit older that put these videos together. It says that as the days went on, more details emerged and they were trying to piece together what happened on their own because the school district wasn't being very helpful with that. Well, we also have a problem here because we're dealing with children. If they're under the age of 18, releasing their information or even their names, if they're a part of any investigation, not really a good thing. 
So I don't know what parents are demanding here or what they could do, but it seems like the school district in this case turned this over to the local police who looked at the video and went, yeah, there's nothing illegal here. I mean, what would there be? What would you, this is the problem again with the current society that we have going here is we see things that we don't like in this case, making a deep fake video, making a school principal or teacher, whoever say racist things. And the knee jerk reaction is now, how are we going to put in jail, man? What can we do? We got to do something about it. And the police are like, well, there were no laws that we can figure out here that had been broken. So this was basically sent back to the school to handle. And what's the school going to do? I mean, their videos on TikTok for the love of Pete. What are they able to do about that? This Washington Post article says, quote, the videos which were removed from TikTok, but obtained by the Post. I guess they think that they're like great journalists because they're like, well, the videos were removed from TikTok, but we at the Washington Post. Oh, my goodness. We got these videos these high schoolers made. They all seem to target George Fisher Middle School in one. A male voice laid over a video of the middle school principal. John Piscatella goes on a 30 second. Oh, I'm sorry. 37 second tirade against black students saying they should be sent back to Africa, calling them monkeys and the N word. And it ends with I am bringing my machine gun to school again. This is a deep fake video of the school principal that a bunch of school children put together. And another video following the same template, I don't know what that means. A voice making racist slurs against black and Latino students says the KKK legacy will return. Other videos show an animated version of George Fisher Middle School as the scene of a video game where a shooter runs into the building and begins firing at black and brown students. After the deep fakes began popping up online, the article says the Putnam County Sheriff's Office was contacted. But when the sheriff's office closed the case on February 13th, finding that the high schoolers had not committed any crimes and that students were never in danger, the district did not immediately inform parents of those developments. End quote. Well, what developments? There were no developments. There were no charges. It's a video that was posted to social media. Get your kids off of social media. That's the answer, parents. If you don't want to worry about the kind of videos your kids are going to see on social media, then get them off of social media. Two days after the investigation concluded, according to the Washington Post, the school district then put out a statement condemning, quote, the blatant racism, hatred, and disregard for humanity displayed in the videos. But the statement did not address the specifics in the video or what Santana and other parents consider to be potential threats against students of color. On February 16th, the article says Putnam County Sheriff's Office deputies would investigate another threat following a teacher's concerns over a student's drawing at an elementary school in the district. Although parents saw news crews and sheriff's vehicles outside the school, they say they were not given any information about the drawing, what it depicted, or whether it meant students were in danger. This is an elementary school child drawing something and this is the reaction to that one the news showing up is hilarious 
the police showing up, I guess they probably had to because I'm guessing the school called them and had them come out and be like, oh, little Jimmy, what's elementary school these days? Like eight to 12, eight to 10. What's what age are you now? Uh, let's see. High school. You kind of started for what? 14. So junior high, 13, 12. So this is under 12 years old. Some child that is somewhere in that six to 11 year old range drew a picture that got these people so much in a lather that they call the police. And then the parents are like, Oh my God, was there ever a threat to my child? Oh my God. I'm hitting the microphone. I'm sorry. Was there a threat to my child? Because an elementary school child drew something that we don't know what it is, but they drew something and it could be dangerous. You people need to figure out reality. Parents, get your kids off of social media. Get them off the devices because obviously, and parents yourself, you should probably be off of them too. Because people freaking out about anything that a child that young is drawing in, unless there's way other extenuating circumstances here, is absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. The school, of course, tried to answer these questions. They had some kind of forum, and the parent here again, Ms. Santana, oh, we have more questions now than answers. Well, then you're an idiot, too. If you're so worried about your child's safety, then never send them into the world ever again and maybe have a chat with them about what deep fakes are. Have a chat with them that people will post crazy things in this case, perhaps thinking they were going to get the teacher or principal into trouble. Depends how good the deep fake was, I would suppose. Was it something that was intentionally meant to let people know right off the bat, you know, the voice is Darth Vader or something, so we know this is a joke. Was it actually the principal's voice? The Washington Post does not answer these important questions. No, no, no. But they go all woke and crazy in their coverage. This parent again, Ms. Santana says, quote, those meetings felt like a bunch of kumbaya and trying to brush up what happened without addressing the giant elephant in the room. How do we know our children are safe and how do we know this won't happen again? End quote. Well, Ms. Santana, you don't know your children are safe. You are never going to know your children are safe. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what steps a school takes. It doesn't matter. Your children are never safe. I mean, you're hoping they're as safe as they can possibly be, but your children are not safe in your home. They're not safe anywhere. That's just the reality of the world as we have it. How do we know this won't happen again? That what won't happen again? Another elementary school child will draw a picture? I'm guessing that'll happen again that high school students or other students will make a deep fake of a principal or a teacher, pretty sure that's going to happen again too. So if you're worried that those things just even happening are going to put your child in even more danger than they are just being out in the world that we have today, well, then you should probably lock them in your basement and never let them out of the room. It is not a giant elephant. How do we know our children are safe? The article in the Washington Post says, and I want to point out, since this is an audio podcast and you're not seeing anything, how do we know our children are safe? The quote from this parent in the Washington Post is, how do we know our A-R-E children are A-R-E safe? 
So way to go, Washington Post. You can't even catch simple spelling and grammatical errors. That makes me really think you're doing a lot of journalisming and makes me feel much better about your coverage. This parent, Ms. Santana, again quoted as saying, parents had no idea about these videos, and they never told us what the issue was at the elementary school. They took away important and necessary context from the letters they sent and left us with a very vague message at the end. It truly felt like they were trying to sweep everything under a rug, end quote. Again, children, they can't really give you details legally, and it was children doing something stupid. What more information do you need? I don't really understand. It's like, they didn't tell us what we needed to know. Yes, they did. They told you everything they probably could. And again, what we have here, some kid under 12 making a drawing of something. We don't know what, but it was really bad and really dangerous. And it could threaten this woman's school, her children's lives. It could threaten them. Yes, it could. That drawing from like a nine-year-old could be threatening her children's life. How does she know there is not going to be a threat from that drawing? She should probably just never let her children out of the house ever again. That's what I'm thinking. That would probably be better. There are privacy laws. And I don't know if this woman would think if one of her kids drew something or did something and all of a sudden there was a letter going out to all the parents in the district that Miss Santana's little boy, Johnny, don't know if she has a boy named Johnny, just making that up as an example drew this horrible picture would she be happy then no she'd be suing the school like how dare you put that information about my child out there but i want it from another kid because my kids might be in danger and of course the ending of the article oh so great ms santana again this woman says the videos have taken a toll on her 10 year old child her child she said was always excited to go to school even waking up early in anticipation not anymore Now she's getting texts from her child like, I don't want to go to school. I'm scared and no one understands. I just want to go home. I feel nervous and anxious. Please, could someone pick me up? These are the texts I am getting from my kid now, she says. Okay, one, if a 10-year-old is sending that text, I just want to go home. I feel nervous and anxious. Please, could someone pick me up? Don't believe that's the text of a 10-year-old. I don't. I really do not believe that. But my main takeaway, again, would be if a 10-year-old has a device and is watching TikTok, the parent is at fault. 10 years old. Your kid should not have a device. They should not be watching these videos. There is way more disturbing stuff on TikTok and the internet in general than these deep fake videos, Ms. Santana. You should not have a 10-year-old playing on the internet. Bad things will happen happen and it is your fault and if you needed just a little bit more proof there was also a story of a girl from texas that went missing and was found locked in a north carolina shed oh how does this happen one would ask 13 year old girl had been missing was discovered locked in an outbuilding near a residence in north carolina according to sheriff richie simmons The girl was enticed to leave her home by a 34-year-old man who communicated with her through, oh, let's guess it, kids, social media. So here we go, 13-year-old girl on her phone, on social media, 34-year-old predator gets into talking to her, 
and gets her to knowingly leave her home and get into a vehicle with him. Now, parents, this is a very real possibility when you let your kids on these devices. No question about it. This is happening more and more. This has made it extremely easy for people that want to do harm and bad things to your children to be able to get to your children. The suspect in this case, Orge Ivan Santos Camacho, arrested and charged with abduction, felonious restraint, human trafficking, statutory rape, statutory sex offense, and indecent liberties. And the only reason they found this guy is because it seems he used his own car to go pick the girl up and was caught on camera and they were able to track him that way. So just imagine exactly how much worse this story would have been if the guy probably wasn't a complete moron. But parents, you need to be aware that your kids on social media, you've got no idea what they're doing once you give them one of these devices. And I know I sound like a broken record, but the reality is the stories coming out over and over again prove that what I'm saying is 100% correct. If you're going to give your kids the devices, you want to stay very well informed about who they're talking to. You should have access to the devices to go and look at any chats that they may be having. Now, of course, I'm also going to understand that your children are probably smarter than you when it comes to the tech aspect and they can be hiding different chat apps and things like that. So you have to be aware of new apps that show up on the phone, what they do. You should have complete access to everything your kid's doing, and you should be able to. Part of this deal should be, hey, little Jimmy, little Jenny, if we're going to give you this device, I can walk into your phone at any time, day or night. If I find you on the phone, I say, hand it to me. You're going to do it. You're going to show me exactly what you're doing. I'm sure this girl's parents thought, oh, maybe they were being the cool parents. Oh, my little girl, she knows what she's doing. She's 13. She's almost like an adult. She left her home and went off with a 34-year-old guy that took her across state lines, sexually abused her, and locked her in a shed. Let's remember that. The world, as they kept saying to Ms. Santana, the world is not a safe place. There are no guarantees, even when you're sending your kid to school. And it's up to you as parents to have your children be protected as much as you can to inform them of the things that are out there. And it's amazing to me, these two stories, that we have one parent that is going nuts on one side of things, which is like, oh, my God, some elementary school kid drew a picture and the school's not telling us what it is. And then some kids made deep fakes and all these things. Bottom line is nothing at all about them is threatening to her child. There's like a 99.9% chance, no, they're never going to be when their kid's just doing stupid things. But then you've got the stuff we don't care about, like, oh, no, we got to give our kids devices so the older perverted men who want to then capture them, lock them in a shed, and abuse them, well, that's fine. We're not worried about that. You have to have some perspective. And you have to understand what the dangers are that are out there. The deep fakes, some high schoolers making it that makes the school principal appear to be a racist douche. Well, that's not really a big deal. 
in the grand scheme of things. And you're going to start seeing that more and more and more because the technology has gotten to the point where it's easier and easier to do that. I've covered it a lot here. The video is easy enough. And now with the ability to just take some audio of somebody speaking and get a synthetic voice, it's going to be easier and easier to do that. So again, if you have missed all of those episodes, you may want to go back and check those out, or you just want to understand that at this point, you cannot believe anything you see when it comes to audio. Well, okay, you don't see audio. Well, if you put it into an audio program, maybe you see the WAV file, but don't believe anything that you see on a video, that you hear an audio, that you read. Do not believe your caller ID there. Everything in this world should be questioned at this point. And these are the kind of things that you as a parent need to know. And if you have children, then these are the kind of things that you need to start teaching your children and keep them off the devices for the love of Pete. And if you have to give them a device, make sure you know absolutely positively everything that they are doing. And I do want to thank you for listening to the Random Thoughts podcast. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of things you can be doing with your time, but here you are listening to the Random Thoughts podcast, and I do appreciate it. This is a value for value podcast, which means the shows go out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to decide if you've gotten any value out of this whatsoever. And if so, get some value back to us. You can do that by telling a friend about the show, by posting about it on the internet or whatever. Just tell a few friends, tell a thousand friends, whatever you have, tell them about the show. And you can also help us financially, which is good to keep the microphone sounding good. All of the web hosting being paid for all of that. And to do that, you can go to random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate. There's a donate button for a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses for the crypto thing. You can use the PO box address. If you like to keep Uncle Sam's kids in business. You can go to patreon.com slash random thoughts. And if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app, it's been a long time since we got a boostergram. Where are all the podcasting 2.0 folks? Go to newpodcastapps.com. And if you're listening on a podcasting 2.0 app, send us a boostergram. Let us know that you're out there. On the last show, I forgot to mention the three folks that we've got over on Patreon. I apologize for that. I'd like to do that the first show of every month but I've been a little bit distracted lately. So I do want to fix that today by thanking Brian Janak up there in Wisconsin, his $5 monthly donation. That's very much appreciated. And I saw he's recently had a birthday too. So a very happy birthday, Brian. And thanks for supporting the random thoughts podcast. Dennis Woods coming in with five bucks. Tim Hazel coming in with five bucks. We don't have any extra content over on Patreon, but if you're there, that's one way to support this show. And no matter how you support the show, it is very much appreciated. With that said, hoping I'll be back next week with another edition of the Random Thoughts podcast. There's always something to talk about, and I enjoy doing it. So thank you for letting me have this much fun each and every time out. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.